Thank you, Natalie. I can't imagine myself without Jesus. Can you imagine yourself without Jesus? I'd be dead since a long time. Jesus kept me alive. And I gave him all the credit for my life this morning. What a song, Natalie. Thank you very much. And may God bless you. Let's uh, open our Bible to one verse, if you will, please. And that verse is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 12. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. You might have it different in your Bible, but uh, the meaning is the same. And... uh, Paul writing to Timothy, he says, And indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ will be persecuted. All, I repeat, who desire to live godly in Christ, Jesus, will be persecuted. It's a a deep verse. Ever since Stephen, the first martyr, the first actually Christian martyr uttered his last words, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. The true believers have been paying the high price for their stand for Christ. And I, if I may suggest this morning, let us settle this once and for all. Let us settle it in our minds that if we are really living godly in Christ Jesus, as the verse says, if we are living the out and out Christian life, we shall be in the world's bad book. You know, there's a good book and there's a bad book. It'll be in the world's bad book. Why? Because we're living out and out for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's no surprise. A young man came to the great preacher D.L. Moody and said, Mr. Moody, I want to be a Christian. But must I give up the world? Moody replied, Young man, if you live the out and out Christian life, the world will soon give you up. You got it, right? If we are popular with the worldly crowd, or if we find ourselves not shunned and penalized in one way or the other for walking with Christ, watch it, we have good cause to inspect and question our discipleship. And I am in no way suggesting that you go and provoke everyone in the world (laughs) so you can be persecuted. I don't mean this. Not at all. No. No. (coughs) It's a a needless hostility and you don't need to do it at all. But on the other hand, do not expect to be popular with the world now that you have become Christ's. Do not shun, on the other hand, criticism or persecution of any kind. And do not fear it when it comes your way. Just be like the early Christians of whom we read 
in Acts chapter 5 and verse 41, they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They were counting it a privilege, an honor. They were rejoicing. They were beaten up. They were given some really good slashes, but, you know, they were rejoicing because they did it for Christ. These disciples were on a mission. Yes, they were on a mission for the king. It wasn't like serving an earthly boss or performing a certain worldly function. No, they were commissioned by their king to take the good news to all nations. Remember what it says in the Bible. Go to all nations. They were not surprised when they ran into persecution. They had been taught to expect it. Instead of retaliating what they did, or even vindicating themselves, they committed their cause to God who judges righteously. Bill MacDonald writes about that. He said, instead of seeking escape from trials, they prayed for boldness to proclaim Christ to all with whom they came in contact. What does it cost to be a Christian? In view of this challenge, these few words that we reviewed, where do we stand? Where do you stand? Where do I stand? And I see we have two major duties. And we have to realize, one, that we are in the king's service. Once saved, forever saved. If you are saved this morning, you committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in the king's service. You're not serving man, but you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. If you realize that, well, let's look at it a little bit. And you might say, but Adol, I am a simple Christian. I am... uh, Not like the disciples of old. I leave the responsibility to the elders. I leave it to my pastor. May I suggest this is not a healthy thought? Because when the Lord left here, he said, Be ye witnesses, all of you. He did not choose any person though he said be all witnesses including the whole disciples including you and including me we are called to serve him in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23 we read the Lord saying if anyone wishes to follow me if anyone what wishes to follow me and or to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross how many times? daily Daily. take up his cross daily and follow me oh yes and that's what he says you will gladly pay the cost it's a matter of wish it's a matter 
It's voluntary, if you will please, to follow and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you today say, well, I want to be in service for my king. Let me tell you one thing. This is the greatest honor you can have as long as you live. Do you know that if anyone receives mail in the United Kingdom, Great Britain, and on that mail there's a stamp in Her Majesty's service, he is the most honored person and he will do anything that letter asks him to do. Because what? It's an honor to be in Her Majesty's service. And I would challenge you and myself this morning. Is it an honor to serve Christ? Do you consider it an honor? Or do you say, I want to leave it to the preacher? Let Adel serve him? I want to leave it to someone else? No, it should be an honor to you and me and everyone else. It should be a privilege more than that. To be called to be in his majesty's service. And it's not in the church that we serve him. Many people here today, if I say, do you have a a, uh, responsibility in the church? I'll probably see 90% of you will lift up their hand and say, yes, I have a responsibility. It's not only in the church that you serve him. It should be everywhere. It's not when you are engaged in a religious activity that you are in the service of the king. It's whatever you do, wherever you go. And uh, I may tell you one thing. We are to wear the king's uniform wherever we go. Otherwise, it will be churchianity, not Christianity. Right? If there's such a word, churchianity, you know. Just uh, no problem. We can change it. You'll be a churchgoer. Instead of a responsible person in the church of God. You don't want to be a churchgoer. You want to be a responsible person. You want to say, yes sir, when you receive that letter that has that stamp in his majesty's service. I will go anywhere you want me to go. Because you have to wear that uniform every minute of the day. And when you wear the uniform, they're definitely going to be suffering for his sake. Why? Because you are in the king's service. Let me tell you one thing. There are so many Christians today who are suffering for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. We hear about stories about people in Europe, people in Africa, people in all parts of the world are suffering. Some are dying. Some are paying a high price for their Christianity. Yet they are not turning back. They are continuing because they know they are in His Majesty's service. And they consider it an honor. Yes, Say when you are wearing that uniform, you know who get antagonized first? The devil himself. And when you're carrying this, your Christianity, and you're going out anywhere you go, the devil is going, the adversary, the Bible says, is going to notice that, and he is going to shun a big war against you, and he is going to try to shoot you out. But you know, remember one thing, what the Bible says, resist him firm in your faith. 
and he will flee from you. Period. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul writes to uh, Timothy, his son, and he is challenging him to be a soldier. And look what he says, suffer hardship with me. He didn't tell him, suffer hardship alone, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier for Christ Jesus. Wear that uniform, Timothy, wherever you go. When you preach and when you're in the market, when you're at home and when you're not at home, you wear that uniform and suffer the hardship. We together, you and I, suffer with me for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we are truly Christ, then whoever and whatever and wherever we may be, we are His. There is a stamp on you to say, I am my Savior's. And we, we want to be used by Him, for Him, and through Him in whatever we say and we do. The Bible, let me tell you, the Bible is no more uh, only a record for religious services, evangelistic campaigns, revival gatherings, prayer meetings, and so on and so forth. Not only that, the Bible has records of men and women like us today in this church who serve the Lord and pay the cost without hesitation. Do you agree with that? I think so. Think of great figures, great men and women like Moses, like Joseph, and Daniel. They were men of affairs. Their hands were full of administrative responsibilities. Joseph and Daniel were both what? Prime ministers. Do you know that? They were both prime ministers. Next to the throne, they were sitting and they heard what the king said and they were there ready to execute everything according to God's will in the, in the kingdoms they were in or the empires. They had jealous rivals. They lived amongst enemies. Yet, in the midst of their difficult circumstances, they never forgot that they were in His Majesty's service. And they represented Him well. Don't you agree with me? Joseph paid a high price for standing for Christ. For 13 years, the Bible said, they afflicted His feet with fetters. And more than that, and he was laid in irons. And he never denied his Savior. And he never compromised his stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. He kept his uniform on, even in the jail. And he said, I am in his majesty's secret service, if you will please. Yes, he was. He paid a high price. Daniel, did he pay a high price? When they told him that you have to worship only the king. You know what? He looked at them. He says, what are you talking about? He was a governor, prime minister. What are you talking about? And he just looked at them. He did not even pay attention to them. All these magistrates that came to him and governors. And they were representing the king. The king says that you have, you have one month to obey him. He says, away with you. He went to his room and he had an upper room. And he opened his window toward Jerusalem, knelt before God, and prayed to his Savior. And he never cared. 
the decree came, you shall be put in the what? Lion's den, right? He said, whatever it is, I will stand for my Christ. Whatever the payment, whatever the cost, they threw him in the lion's den. And this was the first time in history and the last time in history that God shut the lion's mouth forever. I am in his service, even in the lion's den. He didn't deny him. He didn't scream. He didn't shout. He said, let's compromise. He did not do anything. And you know what? His life is an inspiration today, as along, along with Joseph and with others. Even to this day, their influence is found in many generations. Their influence is found on me. Because when I went to Sunday school, I learned about Joseph. I learned about Daniel. And today, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, if, is there a lesson about Daniel or Joseph here in this building. If not, in many other buildings. In many other churches, we teach Sunday school about these two great men who stood for Christ, never changed their uniforms, and, and were in his service. What shall I say about Moses? What shall I say about this great man of faith who refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because he was looking for the reward. Did God reward him? Oh, yes, he was looking for the reward. He said, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I am, he was educated with the highest education you can ever have at that time. And I read about his story. You know, he was, he was a scientist. He was so knowledgeable. He learned everything the Pharaohs knew. And yet, he, just the Lord took them all, threw them away. I made, I made him a shepherd on the back of the mountain for 40 years. But the end result. He became the greatest leader in the history of mankind. He never denied his Savior. He wore that uniform and he kept it on. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> These men were wearing the king's uniform all the time. And they were proud to be in his service. They were not ashamed of their faith nor of their God. And neither they cared for repercussions. Are we? Can we say we want to follow their examples? Are we willing today, whatever the cost, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? To serve Him? To live for Him? And to honor Him? And because of these great men, these great examples, Paul writes saying, I am an apostle by the will of God. And the rest of the Christians all over the world today, they honor the, these men and they try to imitate their walk. Can we stand there today and can I say, I am a servant by the will of God? Can you, while sitting there, say, I am in the service of His Majesty? Can you say whatever I'm called to do, I am willing to follow him? I'm willing to do his will?
Can you say as a husband, I am a husband by the will of God to serve him? As a wife, I am a wife by the will of God to serve him. As a student, I am a servant of God as a student to honor him. As any uh, businessman or any person, as a lawyer, a doctor, whoever you are, can you say, I am a doctor by the will of God to serve him and honor him in my daily life? And this is the challenge for us today. These men and women of old were challenged. And guess what? They stood up to the challenge. And they passed the test, though they paid the cost and didn't care for their lives or for anything else. They wanted first and foremost to honor the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. John Wesley once said, Give me 100 men who fear nothing but God, And hate nothing but sin. And I will shake the gates of hell. You know what? I read this about him. He did not shake the gates of hell. But shook Britain and all Europe. And many people came to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we need. We need men committed. Women committed. Saved. In the service of his majesty. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Are you willing? Are we willing today to do that? If we are willing, let me tell you one thing. This place will not be able to contain the people to come. Who comes and worship the Lord Jesus Christ with us. This is the first challenging word. Are we in the service of his majesty? If you are, you better listen to what he says. And if you listen, you will go wherever he wants you to go. And then you'll never regret it for the rest of your life. But there is a price to be paid. The second word. These men and women. They were sold out for Christ. They were in his service. And they witnessed for him. And the question. Are we witnesses? In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It's the Lord speaking. You shall be witnesses unto me. The high service to which our royal master call us is that of being witnesses to him as what? As Savior and Lord. Witnessing is not necessarily uh, preaching. Do you understand that? It's not necessarily preaching. Okay? The prime importance of a witness, if you would like to know, is his or her first-hand experience. What I mean by that, what is your experience with Christ? Okay, this is what you tell people about. I will elaborate on this. So then, if you are a true true witnesses to Christ, if we are, We must have first-hand experience of his saving power in our lives. Say, I want to be a witness for Christ. I want to stand for him. I want the world to hear about him. First and foremost, before that, you need to experience the life of Christ in you. His salvation, that's what I mean. You need to be saved. When Nicodemus came to Jesus Christ, he says, Hello, great master. We know you are a great teacher. You know what? The Lord Jesus Christ says, stop here. 
I don't want to hear about that. It seems that you need something more, more than what you have. He said, what? What? He said, you need to be born again. You need to experience the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we are true witnesses, we should be first truly saved. You cannot talk about Christ to the world (coughs) by relying on someone else's experience and convince him that he needs a savior. Forget about that one. Have you ever, have you ever spoke with someone and says, hey, uh, uh, tell me about your life. We go to church every Sunday. Is this salvation? I want you, I want you to come and attend church with us. We belong to the San Ramon Valley Bible Church. Is this salvation? You, you may belong to the San Ramon Valley Bible Church. Okay? You may be a teacher. You may be a preacher. You may be a lecturer. You may be a, a member of the choir, singing with the choir here. And you may hold church responsibilities. And I've known, I know there were deacons who are not saved. There are preachers who are not saved. Oh yes. And we cannot be his witnesses by being this. Only you can be his witness or his witnesses by experiencing the changing power of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. That's what he, when he calls, you shall be witnesses. I remember my dad, when I used to uh, listen to him, many people used to come to our home and try to, Uh, give them the gospel. And after they leave, I said, Dad, do you think she is saved? Do you think he is saved? And his answer was to me like, they don't have the personal experience. The word experience, they don't have. What what do you mean, Dad, by this? He says, it's not, uh, don't fool yourself. He used to tell me, don't fool yourself. And don't tell any other people about salvation until you receive Jesus Christ in your life. And thank God at a certain time I received him. Do you have that experience? If you have that experience, then you can witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, first, we need to be in his service. And in his service, there is work. And that's the easiest thing you can do, is to witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to go to college for that. You don't have to go uh, and study the Bible for that. You have only to relate to others. When they ask you, why are you like this? Why are you so different? Why is your life different? You can tell them, at a certain time in my life, Jesus touched my life and changed it. That's all. And if you cannot say that, I ask you, I ask you this morning, To just look at your life, say, I haven't been saved. And say, Lord Jesus, I would like to be saved so I can witness. And I can have this new life from God. Someone said, witnessing is not just something a Christian says. We can have the words. But what a Christian is, that's witnessing. Of course, words are important. But they are no substitute for Christ-like manner. The world will listen if the life manifests Christian character. The world will scoff at the emptiness of words, however pious you are, 
if the witness of the life is lacking. If you have, if you have words, that's good. But if you cannot back your words with your life, you're lacking. Stop searching. And if you find yourself at this, this afternoon, early afternoon, that you are not that person who is witnessing the way God is asked you to witness according to the Bible, and you know that you haven't experienced the new birth, the Lord says, as he said to Nicodemus of all, you must be born again. You must have a new life. You must experience a new life. And if you cannot support it with your life, whatever you say, you have to review that and look deep inside and find out, am I really born again? Am I really a true Christian? Am I really in his service? Am I really witnessing for him truly? And these are the questions we need to ask ourselves. I read a story, and I want to read, I wanted to read it to you this morning because I don't want to miss anything. Because I said before, there are so many preachers who are not saved, so many deacons who are not saved, so many Christians who are only churchgoers, so many people that we know, and we think they are, but they are not. Uh, the prince of the pulpit, the late J.H. Jowett, tells how his gifted preacher, his gifted preacher friend, Dr. Charles Burry, first came into a saving experience of Christ after being in the ministry for years without really knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. Late one night, a Lancashire girl with a shawl over her head and clogs on her feet called at Dr. Burry's home. Are you a minister, she asked. Then I want you to come and get my mother in. Listen to the words. Thinking she referred to some drunken brawl, Dr. Berry said, You have better call a policeman to get your mother in. No, 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 sir. My mother is dying, and I want you to get her into salvation. Dr. Berry then inquired where she lived, and she suggested that she might be, uh, and he suggested that he might, she might see another minister who lived nearer, but it was no use. She clung to him and told him to come with her. He wondered <coughs> what the members of his fashionable church would say if they should see their minister out late at night with a girl her appearance. Nevertheless, he had to go. The house where she took him was one of ill fame. In the lower rooms they were drinking and indulging in lewd conversations. But upstairs was the poor dying woman. Dr. Berry sat down and knew he must <coughs> somehow talk about Jesus. Remember, he did not. He was a great preacher, but never knew his Savior. So he told her about his beautiful life. His teachings. He told her about the joy, the peace that he brings. Until with an awful look in her deathly eyes, the dying woman interrupted, Mister, that's no good for the likes of me. Did you hear that? That's no good, no good for the likes of me. I am a sinner. 
Dr. Berry was dumbstruck, suddenly realizing that he had no message for that poor woman. Then he recalled what his mother had taught him years before, and he began to tell the old, old story. He started with God's love, and he started how Christ died on the cross for her sins, to be the savior of sinners. Soon the dying woman spoke again, now you're getting at it. Now you're getting at it. Remember, she is a poor sinner. Oh, yes. That's what I want, she said. That's what I want. In relating the incident, afterward, Dr. Berry added, and so I got her in. And at the same time, I got in myself. It's never too late. It's never too late. You could be professing Jesus Christ as your Savior for a long time. But this is a pastor and a preacher. And I ask you, in the woods of Christ this morning, do not let this opportunity pass you by. Get in right now. Don't wait. We know from the, what's happening around us. We know what's happening in our, in our nation. That evil is against good nowadays. And we see it on a daily basis. Yes, and we see many professional, many, many uh, professed Christians, but not living the Christian life. I ask you to get in yourself. This is the opportunity. Flee from the wrath to come. Flee from, to God and He will change your life. Oh yes, do you have the real experience? Oh, do you have the real experience of Christ as a Savior? We must get in as Dr. Berry got in. We must first, before you open your mouth, before you try and witness... Get in yourself first and then lead others to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not Christ merely as a teacher, as I said. It's not a prophet. It's not a good example to follow. He's all this plus, but he gives life and he gives life eternal. That's our Christ. He is the only one who can awaken sinners from their sleep and give them life and life eternal. Are you enlisted in his service? I ask you. Are you? Are you in his majesty's service? Are you his? Are we his? And are we truly Christians so we can witness really as he witnessed? And you shall be witnesses unto me, he said. Are we? And can we say, I will be? Can you say, I will be? I want to be, or I am. And can you say, whatever the cost is, I'll pay it. Let's bow our heads. Give you some moments to think about this.
to ask yourself these questions. Am I truly saved? Don't fight it. Don't be ashamed. Say, Lord, I'm not committed. I am not saved. I want to be saved. Yeah, all my witnesses in vain because I haven't experienced your, your saving grace. Can you say that? In your heart, can you pray, Lord, I give you my life anew. Christians also, believers, are you willing to be in his service day and night? To wear his uniform wherever you go and to witness unto him and for him, whatever the cost is. I'd like to ask you if you prayed and you've asked the Lord to come into your heart first to the non-Christians. If you haven't yet experienced that new birth, being saved, if you haven't experienced His salvation and you want me to pray for you, just while every eye is closed, just lift up your hand. Say, Adel, pray for me. Yes, I want to accept him as my Savior. Is there someone here? Let me see your hand and lift it up and lower it. And then I'll pray for you. It's been between you and me. The Lord is working in your heart. And Christians, if you haven't, if you haven't yet committed your life completely to him, if you find yourself not completely, totally in his service, if you find yourself not doing his will, not witnessing for him, I say, Lord, I want effective today. I want to be a different man or woman. Let me see your hand. Are there any? If you want, are there any here? Amen. 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 Do you want to honor him from now on totally different? Say, Lord Jesus, I want to give you my life completely. Be the man, the woman, the witness you want me to be. Before we close this service, I want us to sing a song. A nice hymn. Hymn 582. while standing all together. What will it cost me to follow the Lord? What is the price of a life that is restored? 582. If I am willing to walk in His way, what is the price that I must pay? And are we willing? Let's sing it all together.
Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for your voice that always speaks to our hearts and awakens us. Help us to be enlisted. Help us to wear that uniform all the time. Help us to witness for you and help our hearts to be obedient. What does it cost me to follow the Lord? We sang this hymn, Help Us, Lord, not to withhold anything, but everything to give to you. Use us, we pray, and help us not to withhold anything. And we pray for those who did not experience yet the true salvation, that they will not leave this place before giving their hearts to you. Dismiss us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The meeting is over. God bless you and be with you.